Hey there, welcome to episode 22 of the Paula and Joe show. If you're new here, here's a quick rundown of what you need to know. It's 24 minutes of raw business analysis and change talk. And when the countdown timer buzzes, we're done. My name's Joe Newbert, and as always, alongside me is my BAFF, Paula Bell. How's it, Paula? Please tell us what's up on this episode. Hi, Joe. Hello, everyone. It's going great. Well, we do have a special guest. Our special guest is Anton. And this is interesting because I think this is probably the shortest bio I've ever done on, on one of these. But according to Anton, when it comes to humanity, doing everything possible to come across as being very clever, I'm part of the problem, but I'm hell-bent on changing that before my time expires. So today we're going to talk about how Anton injects value into business analysis. Welcome, Welcome. Anton. Hi, Paula. Thanks for that. Yeah, I'm not one for, for long bios and, and intros and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, you know, certify this and certify that and, you know, been there, done that. But yeah, it's uh, this is an exciting topic for me. So um, sort of like one of my pet peeves on the side. And that's what excites <laughs> me when Anton tells me there's a pet peeve that he wants to talk about. You know, it's going to be quite a spicy conversation. So so I'm ready for this, Anton. <laughs> Great. I, I, I am as well. So why don't we just go ahead and jump in because I'm interested to see where this is going to go. So I, I have a question for, for you, Anton. The question is, tell us about the problem you see where BAs feel that they're not BAs. Yeah, um, yeah, that's probably one of the most frequent questions I, I hear people ask, people being business analysts, when, when, when I go to a conference um, and also, you know, on, on, on forums, online forums and stuff like that. Um, it's very frequent that they will ask, or, or rather make the statement and, and say, you know, I'm a BA, but I don't do BA stuff. You know, I mean, um, if I look at what a BA should be doing, you know, I'm not doing that. And, uh, you know, when you when you go to a conference and somebody speaks about all these nice things and these topics, you know, how to improve your skills and stuff as a BA, then I find that the BAs normally feel that, yeah, you know, it's that's great. But you know, I don't do that stuff where I work currently. I don't do that, so I don't feel like I'm a, like I'm a BA. But interestingly, though, it, it's not unique to the BA profession. Um, I sort of, you know, move seamlessly between BA and, and, and PM. Um, so I do a lot of talks on, on, on uh, the PMI side um, of my life as well. And it's, it's a very common theme over there as well. You know, I, I mean, um, you know, I don't do the things that I, I think I should be doing as as a BA slash a PM and, and, and stuff like that. And it, it, it goes hand in hand with the question, uh, um, you know, where do I fit in? Um, because very often you, you would find um, the same people saying, we have this, we're using this methodology, this framework uh, um, where I currently work. But there's no BA role, you know. So I feel like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lose my job, you know. I'm next, you know, tomorrow when I go in, they're gonna say to me, "Listen, Anton, um, we don't need you anymore because because there's no BA role." 
and, and that's basically in a nutshell the, the problem that I see. And and for me, it, you know, it's very frustrating because I, I you know, I think, um, yeah, it, it's sort of we we victims of of our own. Um, I was gonna. Uh, I'm trying to find the right word. Not not not. You know, perfection. We want everything to be perfect, and, and you know, we sort of fall on, on our own sword when it comes to that. So that's basically the problem, and uh, I think that we need to address. Yeah. So it's interesting. I work with BAs and PMs as well. I do coaching with both with both sets, more so BAs than PMs, and that is definitely what I hear a lot of. I don't know if I'm actually doing what a BA should do. I don't know if I'm adding the value. I don't know if this is actually supposed to be a task that a BA is doing or if I'm just taking on more just because I don't know and setting my setting a precedence that I don't want. So there is a lot of of concern around that. How would you what advice would you give to people who feel that way and being comfortable being in that uncomfortable state or just being comfortable saying, you know what, I am adding value and it's the right value at the time. It may not look like a traditional BA role or traditional PM role, but I'm adding that value until I could make a change, a positive influential change. Yeah. Um, yeah. My go-to on that would normally be um, very unsympathetic. Um, if, if I may say that in the sense that I would, you know, it is what it is, mm-hmm. but there's a caveat to that because, you know, it is what it is, is sort of a statement that, that, you know, you hear a lot of people make when they don't have an, a definitive answer for something. Um, but if you take it in the context of, of why we we sit with this problem. Why do we have so many BAs asking this question? Um, you know, then it, then the, the, the statement of, you know, it is what it is, makes a bit more sense. Um, I mean, for me, for me personally, I mean, I don't know um, if you've been in a situation like that where you feel, you know, I'm not doing what I should be doing, um, or what people expect that I should be doing when I tell them, um i i'm a ba um oh okay so you're doing this and that well that's a lie because most people have got no clue what a ba does it's sort of like a mystery job my kids for years when they were still uh, um, small i used to travel a lot and i was hardly ever home and i was like you know it was like i was working for mi6 or the fbi because it was very very difficult for me to explain to them what i'm doing (laughs) and uh (laughs) So there was always these weird answers that I, I would give to them. But the one thing uh, um, that I found is, like I said, we are, we are, it, it, it's, part of it is a, is, a, is, a, is a problem that we create for ourselves. Um, because gone are the days, and this has been for years now, where um, you have a predefined job description and that is what you do. Um, you know, I, I always like to think about it in, in, in the sense of, um, you know, years ago, um, we had 
specific state-owned entities in South Africa that, that did specific things and delivered specific services. And when we still had landlines, um, you know, they would come and they would, a guy would stop at your house and he would install the cable and he would leave. And then a day later, the next guy would arrive with the instrument that he would plug in uh, um, to that socket that the previous guy installed. And then somebody would activate all of this. Um, and that was, you know, it, it's an example of a very clear job description. And you stop when you reach the end of that job description. You don't go beyond it. That's my job. That's what I've been told to do. That's what I've been paid to do. And, and I start here in India. I don't care. Um, it's not like that anymore. I mean, um, you know, we as BAs need to accept the fact that a job description is a piece of paper and it's it's marketing um, and it's like a, a broad guideline of what you can expect when you ex when you accept a job offer so you're going to be doing x y and z um, but that doesn't mean um, that's the only thing you're going to do and it doesn't mean that you're actually going to do it you might do x and z and not y well, that's where I wanted to come in because, um, you know, job descriptions aren't like a boundary, like where you need to stop. You're going to have to go above and beyond and get involved, particularly if you want to, to grow. But, but I almost feel like the problem you were framing at the beginning was that actually people aren't even getting to fulfill their job description, actually. That, that, that promise, that piece of marketing, as you call it, which hooked them in to apply before they get the job, and then they don't get the opportunity to do that. What, why? Um, I've got a couple of questions, actually, but let me start with this one. So if they're not doing that, what are they doing? How is it going for them? They must be doing something. Is it that yeah. they're only partially doing it? Are they being directed and being told specifically what to do? Are they just like template zombies? Um, what do you see going on? All of the above, actually. Um, and, and this is where... So the problem is created basically, um, in my view, stems from three different places. The one, as I mentioned, is, is ourselves as BAs um, with the expectations that we have, that there's a, a very strict um, framework with which, with, in which we're going to work. But then we also have the organizations. Um, organizations, they actually write and whoever they um, outsource this to write a, a nice uh, job description and you would go in and, 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 and accept the job and then you would find I'm not doing what the job description says. But actually, you know, let's be honest, organizations, um, they not really, they, they fill a position to get stuff done. Okay, they, they've got something that needs to be done and they fill that position with a specific resource that would be able to get done what they need to be done. Um, so whether it's going to mean that you're going to do everything in the job description, because typically a job description for a BA includes everything that you would have for a BA as is defined by the a BA box. Okay, some people even cut and paste uh, from there and, and, and yeah. put it in a, in a job description. But an organization doesn't function like that. An organization needs to produce something. They need to, to have a specific output. 
So they're not going to say to me, Anton, um, you've got this job description that, that um, you accepted the job based on. So you're going to do all of these things. You're going to perform all of these tasks and you're going to deliver these deliverables that defined in this job description, regardless of whether we actually produce the output that we needed or not. That's not how it works. That's not how life works. That's not how business works. And most of these companies have very good supporting structures. You know, they've got career paths for BAs, um, training plans, all those things. They've got teams with, with team leads and, 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 and stuff like that. So on the surface, it looks great. But when you talk to the BAs, they say, you know what, all I do as a BI, I test all day. That's all I do. I, I test software. Um, you know, I... Um, but it's, it's very rare that you find a, a BA role um, where you do everything that a BA does, you know, from, from, from cradle to grave um, type of involvement. Um, you're lucky if you have that, but um, unfortunately, that's, that's like a utopia. Um, you know, it, it's, not, it's not always achievable. Um, I've mentioned three sources for, for this, this problem. The other one, um, I believe that feeds on the, the, the organizations feeds on, on, on this is, is, is job titles. And this is where my pet peeve actually comes in. Um, because we have these people conjure up these job titles with all sorts of adjectives. Um, and this creates confusion, uncertainty, frustration with BAs, because all of a sudden you've been doing BA work for five, 10, 20 years, and all of a sudden every, the, the whole job market is flooded with jobs for an agile business analyst. What the hell is an agile business analyst? <laughs> I mean, nobody, I, I'm still looking for somebody to explain that to me for the simple reason. I'm, I'm, I always say, um, you know, so you're looking for an agile business analyst. Okay, if, if you're talking about, you know, the, the action of being agile or, 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 or the function of, 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 of agility, um, being able to use the agile framework, um, you know, being lean, you know, uh, um, knowing how to use Scrum and, and all that stuff. My response to that would always be um, a good BA is agile by nature. That means that if you put the BI on a project that uses any sort of methodology, whether it's predictive or adaptive, whether it's agile or whether it's scrum or whether it's extreme or lean, it doesn't matter. But a good BI would be able to adapt to the techniques, the tools and the ceremonies that goes with that uh, um, specific environment. Um, if the BI can't adapt to that, then unfortunately, you're not in the right profession because you need to be adaptable. Okay, you, you need to be able to, to look at this and say, okay, yesterday I was writing um, product specifications. Today I need to write user stories. You can't make that shift uh, um, 
you know, then you're in trouble. So how that makes somebody an agile BA, um, you know, is, is beyond me. But that actually feeds this whole problem of the BA all of a sudden saying, um, you know, where do I fit in? I don't do what a BA should be doing. Um, you know, where to next? What should I do now? Should I get a new certification? I mean, we all know you can get certified in basically anything in the world today. I mean, you know, and, you know, as soon as, as a new buzzword comes out, um, you know, four weeks and the place is flooded with experts and certifications and all sorts of people. Me, I mean, I'm a, I'm a chat GPT certified SME and I have been for five days. So you can ask me anything. I'll give you the answer. Um, but that creates anxiety with, with, with BAs. You know, it, it frustrates me when, and it's sort of, I don't know whether it starts with the organization or the recruiters, um, you know, who, who makes that decision, but it, it really, you know, like I say, it, it if, if you have a, a, an anxious, a nervous BA doesn't really know where they fit in, um, they become less productive, you know, and, um, yeah, so for me, you know, those are the three. I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm never going to say, um, you know, it's, it's all this is, is, is somebody else's fault. I mean, BAs, like I say, for sure, um, do have to carry part of the blame because this is not a perfect world. It never will be. So, you know, get over it. Um, you know, if you get the lucky, if you get the perfect job, great. I mean, I'm happy for you. But chances are that you're sort of going to go with, a, you know, between maybe 80% and, and lower, you know, anything higher, then I, I think you're lucky. Um, but we need to, to use what we have. We, we need to, to, to take what we have and, and, and make the best of it. Um, you know, we, we can't just say, oh, you know, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to, so I'm unhappy now. Because that's a big dark hole that you'll sink into, um, that you're gonna have difficulty coming out of. And I'm I'm talking of, you know, semi sort of experience where you know in my life I've I've I've, I've worked at um, in many different countries and um, did a lot of weird things as a business analyst, um, and. Uh, you know, I found that as soon as I sat down and said, well, you know, this is not my job that I, that I wanted to do. You know, this is this. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, think goes downhill. Um, but as soon as you take ownership of it, you know, you've got a, an opportunity to add the value that you think that you should be adding, um, in my opinion. That was that, that that was great. And Joe, I, I think you said you had more questions, but I just got to say one thing. I just got to say one thing that I totally resonated with me. Number one, I've been doing business analysis for over two decades and have never had the formal title of business analyst, period. Never. have You will never see it on my resume. So you're not going to know I was a business analyst. And number two, the other thing that you said to me that really resonated with me, I should say, is around the agile BA. You make a good point because I don't see anybody looking for a Lean Six Sigma BA. And a BA can definitely use Lean Six Sigma to do process improvement, right? So you make a good point. I, I like to tell, and I have, 
clients all over the globe who have this problem. I don't know where to fit in. And I like to tell them is where you add value. Don't create documentation that doesn't add value. Don't have yeah. meetings that don't add value. Don't, don't do things that don't add value. Because at the end of the day, that's what people are going to be looking at. It's going to be the value that you're adding. Because to your point, a lot of people still don't know how to leverage PAs. But no, Joe, I'm going to hit no, it back to you because I know you have some no, additional questions. No, but I just it, had to it, say it, that just hit. No, no, you carry on, Paula. <laughs> that, was, that was just, I'm, I'm just loving everything I'm hearing yeah. right now. No, it, it, the fundamentals of business analysis hasn't changed. The fundamentals has not changed. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, it, it, it's something that's, that, that's similar and creates uh, um, similar anxieties when people say, you know, to be a good leader, you need to do these things. If you don't do these things, you're a bad leader. You know what? If you're a bad leader, you're not a leader in any case. You, there's no such thing as a good leader and a bad leader. Either you're a leader or you're not. Because it's simple. Because it's not like a manager that works with with uh, people. But a leader is, 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 has got specific traits and characteristics. So it's not like you're a, you can be a good or a bad mechanic. Because, you, you know, you work with physical things. But once that, once you only talk about soft skills, if you don't have those skills, then basically you're not what you say you are. So, you, you know, if you're a good BA, um, you should be able to fit into any environment seamlessly. Yes, I do acknowledge the fact that uh, uh, things like uh, industry knowledge and being an SME and stuff like that makes it easier for a BA. I mean, it's like the uh, an adjective that makes sense to me in, 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 in part is something like a technical BA. But because that means that you're more hands on. Okay, you're gonna, you know, you know your SQL and you can do queries and, and you can do a bit of Java and stuff like that. Um, but in essence, the, 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 the core, like you say, for a business and they have never changed. You still do the same things, your tools, your techniques and stuff that changes that you, you adapt and that evolves as we go along, but you do the same things essentially, you know, just using different tools. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what would you say, Anton, is some opportunities that organizations are losing out of out on because of these these situations that we talk about. So what are organizations potentially losing from their team members? Yes. Um, most organizations don't like to obviously admit it because like I say, you know, you know organizations normally have a very good, especially larger organizations, corporates, um, they always have a very good supporting structure in place. I mean, if you walk into a, um, a big financial institution in South Africa, for instance, um, I'm fairly positive that there will be a career path for a business analyst and a career path for this and a career path for that. Um, but the thing that they don't seem to understand um, by not supporting their support structure, if that makes sense, in the sense of, of, of you know, having the BAs and stuff doing what they're supposed to be do, doing is, is they, they create a, an environment um, that is 
it's focused on frustration. You get a lot of frustrated BAs, and, and I've seen in team meetings in these organizations, if, if BAs start talking about these things, they're very frustrated because they always complain about, I'm doing somebody else's job, you know, and it makes them less effective. So organization loses out on the potential that the BAs actually have because they never realize that potential. Um, you sit with, a, with, with, with underutilized BAs, but they seem to be overutilized because they are churning, but they're not moving anywhere fast um, because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're frustrated and it's, it's mundane tasks and they don't like doing it. So, yeah, that's definitely the biggest thing they lose out on is that potential uh, um, of, of, of a good BA. It's sounding like a lose-lose, really. Nobody's winning in this. <laughs> no, it's not. But, but I mean, again, um, BAs do have the opportunity to actually take control um, and, you know, inject themselves and add value, whether people want it or not, whether people ask for it or not. Um, and it, it's sort of like dangerous ground um because uh, um you know some organizations they want what's called team players in other words don't speak your mind don't give your opinion we'll tell you what to do um, and just do it you know and everybody is happy but there are ways that, that, that the bi can actually add value and 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 uh, inject himself um in a, in, a, in a positive way you know the, the first thing uh, um, would be to actually always do a good job. No, there's no exceptions. It doesn't matter whether it's your job or not. It doesn't matter whether you think it's, it's your job or not. It doesn't matter whether it's in the job description or not. When you do something, do it to the best of your ability. No exceptions. If you stray from that, then you only got yourself to blame for what follows. Um, that, that, that's, it's not negotiable. Um, if you want to add value, if you want to prove yourself, you have to do that. And then obviously always look for opportunities. Be innovative and promote your skills uh, um, that you have. You know, I used to, um, in, in a previous life um, where I worked, um, I used to take the, the initiative myself to publish monthly newsletters with BI topics. Um, you know, I would organize um, knowledge sharing sessions uh, with other BIs in the organization. This wasn't something that the organization came up with or, or anything like that. I just felt, you know what, I've got something that I want to share. Um, and let's see if there's anybody that's interested in that. And I, I, I would schedule the sessions and people would come and, um, and join and look for opportunities to innovate. You know, if you see something that can, can be improved, can be changed or something, I used to have the habit where I would write business cases, you know, when we still had the era of business cases where people still cared about business cases. If I saw a big issue and stuff, I'd write a business case. You know, I'd spend time on my own time 
not company time, and I would write a business case describing the, the, the problem, um, you know, possible solutions, blah, blah, you know, all the rest that you would do with a, with a business case. That way people can, you know, they can see that, you know, there's something, and, and it doesn't mean that something will come from that every single time. I mean, don't feel despondent and, and, and feel like it's a failure if nothing comes from that. I mean, I think probably in, in my lifetime with initiatives like that, if, if I had a 50% DIT rate, uh, success rate um, from that, it was, I, could, I would consider it good. It doesn't mean it was a failure. I mean, um, so not everything that you... Sorry, Joe, yeah. So the sometimes the reward is actually much later on. You you, you exactly. just don't realize that that it, that it's coming. But I, I I like I like what you say there. I mean, it, it's really good. Like do a job to the best of your abilities. So sort of do what you say you're going to do. Do it well every time. I, I feel like I was hearing a little bit of ask for forgiveness, like afterwards, maybe than before. Because if you are in a dead end role, right, you sort of got nothing to lose, do you? If it doesn't go well. Um, if you're not that team player as you you describe it, then actually you've got nothing to lose, do you? So if it doesn't work out, then you you can maybe find somewhere else. Absolutely, show yeah. initiative, innovate. But um, I'm going to have to say, episode twenty two, your time is up. It's time to come in. Um, it's been wonderful having you on the show, Anton. A real breath of um, fresh air, um, and yeah. So many good points in there. Um, I, I'm going to wonder what people's comments are about this. It's not something I have come across as frequently, um, but I do also get that that things are different in different places. So I'm going to be interested um, it, to see how sort of common a problem this is. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. Paula, what was your sort of final takeaway from this? You know, for me, it's always been, it's good to have someone else who resonates with the same thinking that I've had before. I, you know, it's sort of like we've made this thing so complicated and it doesn't have to be. And so just, again, it's all about the value and it's not necessarily about the title, it's about the role. We've been talking about that for a while as well. So I like, you know, have that integrity, have that character that when you say you're going to do something, do it, do it well and keep it moving. And if the role that you're in isn't for you, then as long as people can see that you're adding value and you're great, something else will pop up. There'll be another opportunity. So just do the best that you can always. And so I, I really like that and that resonated. Yeah. Should we do your socials, Anton? I, I suspect that quite a few people are going to want to get in touch and carry on this conversation with you. Um, because as much as you said you're unsympathetic, I think I heard quite a bit of empathy towards the, these people and how they're feeling. So let's tell them where uh, they can get hold of you and, and maybe carry on the conversation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um... Yeah, it doesn't mean that I'm totally, um, yeah, so I'm not a very social media um, type animal. I mean, I believe that social media is the worst thing that ever happened to our social lives, but <laughs> um, you can get in touch with me on, on email at anton.disruptedva.co.za and also on LinkedIn at um, Anton Westhazen, one word. Um, I, st I realized that Paula avoided saying my surname, but I know I sure how difficult did. it is. 
I, I know sure how difficult it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was not about to butcher that live. So I'm glad you said it. <laughs> There's a reason I say to Paula every week, can you please introduce this guest? You see, it gets, but I actually know how to say your, your name. It might have taken me 15 years of being in this country, but I can say who stays in now. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you guys for for tuning in. We appreciate your support. You can subscribe to the Paula and Joe show on your pod player of choice, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, YouTube, and more. If you enjoyed the show, then please do help pass the pod by leaving a review and a five-star rating. That'd be very cool. And you can keep the riff going by leaving your comments over on the blog at 168.fm. That's the words 168 not the numbers. Please follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram again at 168FM because we'd love to hear your take on injecting value into business analysis. Anton, Paula and I will join you there. Until then, take care and keep growing.